many chances did we have tonight? It just one of those one of those nights where it's not going in. And uh, I thought we battled hard. We created a, a lot of good looks in the third period. Just wasn't our night. Do you think they've slayed the dragon, and now it's just a matter of uh, of cooking up some some supper? Oh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we're a pretty young team, so. Uh, those young guys keep me keep me going, keep me active. I'm not a young guy on the team anymore, which is a little different. But no, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we, we like going, we like playing with speed, and uh, we were able to do it in the first couple of periods and get the lead tonight. So, uh, like I said, gutsy win. Whacking that thing around. You know, I think you know we're, we're scoring goals on the road. We're you know I guess a little snake bitten at home, but um, goals usually come in waves, and and hopefully we just keep doing the, the right things, and they'll start going in the back of the net. Um, you know, and, Shove it in. you know, guys on the team, they're, they're putting in the extra work to try to get out of slumps. But uh, sooner or later, hopefully, we just break through. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. All right. Before we get back into the Golden Knights, um, your heating discussion between the other members of your household. Uh, I am on your daughter's side. It doesn't cost that Shocking. much to heat the house. Right. It's not. I understand the AC. The AC is very expensive in the summer. No, we here. don't. Oh, come on! Now you're just getting silly over there. You no, guys get rid of What are you AC talking unit? about? The AC is cheap. You just you go to Staples. You get six box fans. Yeah, and you turn those babies on. We've got fans. <laughs> you just you just try to create a, like a zip of hot air. Yes. Uh, but it reminds me, growing up, the amount of times that I would get uh, yelled at because I left the TV on or like a light on mm-hmm. was unbelievable. And like 12 year old me would have thought that leaving the TV on cost us like a hundred dollars. Now that I'm an adult and you pay the bills leaving my TV. What did I cost my parents? Like six pennies. And you've got three TVs, right? Like that's not expensive at all. Why was I getting yelled at so much about how expensive it was to leave a light on in the bathroom? Did you ever have a friend who, if you were over at their house playing like their Xbox, and they'd feel it and they're like, "Ah, it's a little too hot," and just turn it off in the middle of a game? No, I've no. Ha- I mean, I had Xbox or Playstations that were hot, but well, never like, had somebody that was like, "Oh, we're shutting this off now." I have the same friend. They thought the did, game would break. I I don't know, but if the TV got a little too warm, yeah, that's going off too. Like they, they didn't understand what's that, that electricity what's that logic. I'm, I don't. I'm. It's something that I remember to this day. Of being up in Madden with the Oilers and being like, I was going to win. What just happened? No, I just broke Don't start your car. The engine's hot. <laughs> uh, so I'm on your daughter's side. Turn the heat up. She, yeah, she was her answer last night is, are we wasting a dollar 25? And then <laughs> I made the mistake. Uh, oh. I made the mistake of turning because we don't use, we have the washer and dryer, but. Not the dryer, brother. No, no, you hang the clothes. No. Oh yeah. Cut. What's oh, the yeah. what? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. This is this is why? Because the dryer costs money. Why even have one then? Well, you you always get one. I mean, you know, to take some they, wrinkles. They, out. they don't. Well, do they just sell washers, no dryer? I, I mean, we could. I'm pretty you know, sure you we can. Could, 
you can turn it on to get some wrinkles out, but you pretty much have to stand over it to uh, <laughs> make sure the wrinkles are out, and then get the, get the get take the jeans. If you're or whatever not gonna, out. okay, this is all about saving money. Don't buy the dryer in the first place if you're not going to use it. Yeah, I think about it came with the house. Yeah, it might have. It might, have. <laughs> Jared. That's a good point. It might have. I don't remember, but it might have. Yeah. So uh, you don't hang your clothes. I mean, there are some clothes in our house that get hung because they're not allowed to be dried. Yeah. But I'm drying the clothes. We've got oh, the... I run the dryer, dryer twice on some loads of laundry. <laughs> no. One of the best things about moving out of my parents' house is I can now take T-shirts and fold them and put them in a drawer rather than them, them all being hung up and stuck in a very small closet like a pack of sardines because, well, you know, they, they dry on the hanger. Yes, they dry in the hanger. So our laundry room has hooks. <laughs> My parents' laundry yes. room has hooks. And they have, um, uh, what am I saying? Why am I missing this word? Hangers? Yes, there you go. And they have hangers. And outside, we have the uh, long uh, um, contraption where you hang the clothes on that. Um, so, and sometimes we even hang them on the chairs outside. I mean, if you come over to the house on laundry day, you're pretty much seeing everything. The hooks, the hangers outside on the chairs. Oh yeah. And then a lot of times we have a pool. A lot of times you go out and say, well, that's too bad. The wind picked up and the six shirts are now in the pool. We got to redo those. Use the dryer. (laughs) Can't believe if you're keep maintaining the pool, you don't use the pool to wash the clothes. It's got chlorine in there. Oh yeah, and so long Ooh, story is short, is the pool heated? Um, oh, no. Okay, because I was about to say that might be the next argument. Of, no. Could we put no. the pool up to eighty Jacuzzi, degrees? Um, no, I mean it's got the jets, but you're cold in it. Um, I'm surprised you're allowed to have the water in the pool. <laughs> uh, well, when we have to fill it, uh, it's watching that closely. But last night. To get some, I don't know, some wrinkles out or whatever, the daughter, you know, dared to use the dryer. My wife... Biggest mistake of her life, apparently. Greenspan was in the kitchen, and in our (laughs) house, the laundry room is pretty far from the kitchen. But a light clicks off in her head, and if that dryer goes on, who's using the dryer? (laughs) Do you need $20? (laughs) (laughs) And the daughter's like, what? And And I'm like, are we wasting a quarter here? How much could that She's getting some wrinkles out of the clothes. What is, do you know, what is her laundry situation at college? Oh, I like, hope is there a, the my wife? No, 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 your, your daughter. daughter. Like, is there a, like, in her dorm, she's got to go down to the lap. Well, she lives level. in an apartment. Oh, okay. So, so she... I'm sure they have to go down and, and pay for the washer and dryer. She doesn't have one in her. She, okay, yeah. I don't I think asking. she has one in her unit. Okay. All right. That was my main question. Yes. Because when I lived in a dorm, we had them in our dorm. But my older sister went to the same college as me, and she lived in a house. So you went over there. I just went over to her house and did right. laundry every. Were you able two to use the dryer or whatever? Yeah, I yes. Okay. Like, in all honesty, growing up, like I would get yelled at for leaving lights on or the TV on. I ne- it was never a consideration to not use the dryer. Neither when I was growing up with my parents, it was a washer and dryer. You used the dryer. Like that was like the whole energy conversation or conservation part of this was in my house, mainly because they'd yell at me because it was costing them money. But never did I even consider, oh, the dryer is too expensive to use. I'm telling you. 
I might have I might have to go to to a different one of my sources who works for an energy company to see if that maybe Mississippi uses like natural gas for one thing and electricity for another. I don't know. Okay, uh, what would happen in your house if you turn the heat up to sixty five and opened the door? Well. There would be an automatic notice that it's a 65. I think her the body is conditioned to know what 63 is. <laughs> her body knows what yeah, it feels like. Yeah, it knows like. what it feels like for 63. She starts sweating at 64? 64, 65. <laughs> Who turned it up? <laughs> and it's usually the daughter sheepishly going over and like turning it back down. I, I will genuinely, I've been told, we'll go outside and 60, 66 will feel warmer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you guys need to invest in like what grocery stores have where the thermostat's on the wall and it's behind a locked plastic case <laughs> that like requires three managers to have a different key to, go open? to have the key yeah. and look it at? You guys need one of those. I no, I mean it's an interesting house. It's an interesting house on a daily basis, I'll tell you that. Is it like a I mean the warmest warmest person in the house is the dog because he has a sweater. The dog walks around in this beautiful sweater. We had to get one of those from Amazon because we have to. We got to keep the dog warm. If anyone in the house has to be well, warm, it's got to be that dog. I agree with that. Priorities, yeah, <laughs> it's priorities, absolutely. The, I call, mean, the call to the vet. Yeah, we at least sixty-four degrees. What about sixty-three in a sweater? <laughs> yes. Is the dog fine then? Uh, the sixty-three. That's cold, by the way. What did you say, Jared? You guys are sixty-six. 66? Like I said, a there's cold. a lot of sweatshirts. There's a lot of blankets. How many layers are you wearing at home at any given time? Two or th- well, minimum two was sweatshirt for sure. Oh man, sweatshirt for sure. How do you? F- it's seventy three degrees in the studio right now. I've got a sweatshirt. Are on. you sweating? No. Hot? No. All right. It feels good. Got a sweatshirt. It's on. About what I have it on at my house normally. Seventy three. It's a little a little hot. We keep it around seventy, and then sometimes it's a little gets a little cold, and the heat kicks on up to seventy two. You're like, all right, we're good to go. Man, want to come over to your house and just sit. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to come over and just sit down. We keep the uh, room or the rooms cold enough that you don't actually need to put water in the fridge. It's just cold. Oh my god! I believe that. Yeah, I we have a uh, different drinks in my office that are in their their boxes that we haven't taken out for the uh, refrigerator. We don't need to put them in the fridge. <laughs> we take them out. They're cold yeah. enough. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're cold enough. They just you just pour them in the glass. I feel like you're one step away from. Like, not being allowed to charge your phone. Okay, I do get to, uh, in trouble for overcharging. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think it's more because it hurts the battery and the phone than the electricity. Less so. Okay. All right. That is apparent. I don't know if that's accurate, but that is apparently what people tell you is that. Yeah, don't overcharge it. Right. You, it's right. better to let your phone battery run down to whatever, yeah, 20%. Just nothing and then just charge and then it back charge up. it up yes. as opposed to charging it I think it's it more about 70. that because... Scared to death, we might have to buy new phones. Jared, meanwhile, in here is charging his phone as we speak. What's your battery on, Jared? You were desperate for a charger this morning. Yes, but that's because when I came in, I realized my phone was only at 40%. We are at a solid 29. So we are charging slower than it just being on. What, did you not charge your phone last night? I did not. Ah. Yeah, it's going to kill this week because the daughter's uh, request for um, Christmas is a new phone. It's just going to be... Destroy. Okay, hold on. I've go. got another question. Do you guys have a Christmas tree up with lights? Yes. 
are there rules on when that's allowed to be on? No, it's off when we go to bed. Is it not? Ooh. Well, I think most people turn it off when they go to bed. But like, is it? No, on? it's not like okay. It's <laughs> God. Don't think we're crazy. Oh, it's, you can't use <laughs> the, the dryer. Don't think we're crazy. It's past that point, it's not Tyler. like when the sun goes down, we put the tree on. Oh. <laughs> There are lights in my parents' house that I swear to God, they've never turned on. So, like, they open all the blinds for daylight, and then as soon as night hits, you are in a cave. You are squinting. There are no lights (laughs) on. Like, you are just trying to feel your way around the furniture and use echolocation to figure it out. The only lights in my house that I... I'm afraid to turn on are the ones over my stairs because if those ever go out, I'm going to have to get a ladder to replace them, and I don't own a ladder. Now, we'll find you a ladder. We'll find you when we've got a ladder. <laughs> now, our Christmas lights go on. The um, guys just drive around, the they sun keep on their down. truck. You just grab them. Outside Christmas yeah. lights? Yeah, based on the sun going So they're down. solar powered? Yes. Okay, that's acceptable. That's acceptable. Do you guys need to get solar panels? I feel like you guys need to get solar panels. Look, my parents I'm, have them. I'm fighting every day to keep the uh, DirecTV. Oh, I mean, I'm fighting every day. How are you going to watch the Dodgers? I know. I mean, hey, we got sports into the segment. I'm I'm absolutely (laughs) fighting every day to get to to get the the DirecTV to stay. She keeps hearing from people about why don't you have app? Why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? You get as many channels. I said, but you don't get you don't get as many channels. You do, and you don't get the few sports channels that I have to. I absolutely have to have. I would have cut the cord years ago if it was possible to watch the sports I want to watch by cutting the cord. But it's not AT and T Sportsnet. Last time I checked, maybe they do now. Does not exist on right. cord cutting And that's options. why I said I have to have that. And CBS I have to have Sports the Network exists on like one or two of them, and that's yeah. where half the UNLV games yeah. are. And then getting, you know, baseball teams. We're in the Dodgers market region, so right. you can't get them on MLB.TV like I can get the Astros on MLB.TV. One of the greatest things about DirecTV is if it's during the summer, you can literally just go to like the six nineties, and you're like, "Don't want to watch a Padres game." We get six right. baseball yeah. teams. Yeah, we get six yeah. baseball teams, and then randomly you'll be like, "Wait, I can watch a jazz game." Yeah, yeah. I can watch. Yeah. Like you could just yeah. randomly we'll get basketball games. I think. Do we get the Suns too? I know we yeah. get Lakers, Clippers. I know we get the Jazz, uh, Kings, and I believe we get the Jazz, and we get. Uh, Do we get Phoenix? Phoenix? I believe so. Okay, so we get like four or five basketball teams too. It's a yeah. great like. People complain about it here because you buy MLB.TV or League Pass and you're blacked out from those ones. But if you just have the DirecTV package, I fight you get the battle. Teams. I hope you win that one. That's I've won it so far. One. I've won okay. it. So- no, I, I, the, the, the slash I need it for work always brings me through. Ah, there you go. Because then she goes, <laughs> oh, it's a tax write off. It's a tax yes, write off. Yes, exactly. How did you know? Turn the dryer into a damn tax write off because you got to dry your I clothes to wear to work. I got to have a shirt for the game. <laughs> It's a, they're introducing another new UNLV coach. I got to show up in a suit. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I never realized baseball had so much butt touching. Bischoff's Briefs. That's how they communicate. Bischoff's Briefs. Like Braille, but with butts. Bischoff's Briefs. Read my butt! We got Iggy Pop tickets coming up shortly. Also, Ryan Wallace is going to join the show after the Golden Knights loss last night. Uh, But today's Bischoff's Briefs is looking at UNLV basketball. A couple different things. First off, 
San Francisco, who beat UNLV in their first game since beating UNLV, lost to UT Arlington. Oh. 68-63 in San Francisco. Uh, UT Arlington is now 5-7 and seven on the year and is ranked 261st in Ken Palm. Uh, I do not believe San Francisco will fall far enough for it to be a true bad loss for UNLV, but there is a slight possibility that the loss to San Francisco could be a uh, problem for UNLV's NCAA tournament resume. Most likely that will be, uh, well, actually that might end up being a quad three loss at the end of the year, which is not ideal, but San Francisco losing to UT Arlington is not good. Um, Now, Eli Parquet, John Rothstein reported this. We actually have a timeline. Eli Parquet got hurt in the Washington State game, hurt his knee. He did not play against San Francisco. John Rothstein tweeted out yesterday that Eli Parquet is going to miss four to six weeks, which means he will be out maybe until the end of January and possibly into February. So four to six weeks is the timeline there on Eli Parquet. And for UNLV, that means uh, he's going to miss half of the Mountain West games uh, if he is out until late January or early February and potentially longer uh, if depending on how long into February he goes. So that could be a problem. Uh, We talked about before the loss to San Francisco, losing Parquet. My main question was, all right, if Keyshawn Gilbert's got to play a more intense defensive role, does it take away from his offense? Keyshawn Gilbert was not very good offensively in that game. It's one game. It's not enough to say, oh, that's clearly an issue. But we'll see going forward, Keyshawn Gilbert, if he's got to be the primary on-ball defender like he was in that game, how much does it impact his offense where he's been very good this season? But here's my big point on Bischoff's briefs today. UNLV's defense might be slipping. Uh, They started the year, first seven games of the year, not a single opponent scored over one point per possession. Last four games, three of the opponents have scored over one point per possession. Uh, San Diego, Washington State, and San Francisco. Hawaii was under one point per possession, uh, but three of the last four were over. And here's the curious part. San Diego and Washington State, two two of those three teams that have had a good offensive game, are both Ken Palm top 100 offenses. San Francisco is in the top 150. The only other top 150 offense they've played this year is Dayton, which means when they have played a competent offensive team, three of the four times they've given up over one point per possession. Now, one point per possession is about the average in college basketball. So like if you give up, you know, 1.06, which is what they did to San Francisco, it's not like you had a bad offensive game, but it's not a dominant or excuse me, defensive Defensive game, game. but it's not a dominant defensive game. And then here are the defensive numbers of the other teams on UNLV schedule. Excuse me, offensive numbers, the other team on the schedule. Southern, their Ken Palm offensive rank, 284th. Incarnate Word, 353rd. High Point, 181. Southern Illinois, 26. Minnesota, or 207th. I cannot talk right now. Minnesota, 206th. I think it's a fair question to ask. Is UNLV simply been dominating great or bad offensive teams with a good defense? I think that's a very fair question because they were awesome against some absolutely terrible offensive teams. When they've played good offensive teams, 
They've just been okay defensively. And I don't believe this team is good enough offensively to go to the NCAA tournament if their defense is just okay the rest of the season. And by the way, if you look at the Mountain West so far, excluding UNLV, five teams in the Mountain West currently have a top 100 offense by Ken Palm, and three more are in the top 150. So that means eight of the 10 other Mountain West teams have a competent to great offense. And if UNLV is going to be just an okay defense when they play a good offense, they could be in some trouble when it comes to Mountain West play. Because again, like I said earlier, they need to win 25 games to be in the NCAA tournament. They might be able to do it with less, depending on how good some of these Mountain West teams are. But I think 25 wins gives them a great shot at making the NCAA tournament. I don't know if they're getting there if their defense is going to slip up against competent offenses. So their defense is still good. Ken Palm rank right now is 41st. Bart Torvik, which is similar to Ken Palm, has them at 34th. Still a good defense, but I don't know. I think we might have gotten carried away with them beating up on a bad schedule and bad offensive teams. All right, you said Gilbert might slip defensively if he has to play more minutes offensively. They're 0-1 without Parquet. Like, does he make that big of a difference defensively? Because he's not, we've talked about his offense before. It's to me, it, to me, it comes to the energy of his role. Like what they ask Parquet to do, they don't really ask him to do anything offensively, right? There's not, no. there's not an offensive role for Parquet. Um, but what they ask him to do defensively is probably the highest uh, energy usage of any player on the defense. Like Victory Waco comes in and is, he's just high energy, but Victory Waco is going to play 19 minutes or something like that. But Parquet is out there. He's going to play 34 minutes when he's out there, and they're asking him to pick up and defend the primary ball handler on the sometimes team. the entire length of the court. But that's he's a high-energy defensive player. He's putting out a lot of effort defensively. So when you lose that, and even if you only ask Keyshawn Gilbert to do half of that, right? Like Keyshawn Gilbert wasn't picking up full court every possession against San Francisco, right? He did it sometimes. But even if you ask Keyshawn Gilbert to give you half of what Parquet was giving you, that's a ton of energy and effort you're expending on the defensive end that he wasn't doing before. And my question is, does does Gilbert have enough to do that and be the offensive player that he's been so far right. this season, and in in the first game we saw, he he was not absolutely was not able to do both. It's one game, right? It's not enough to say, oh, he definitely can't do that. I think he's going to have games where he can do that, but that's my big question because this offense has been about EJ Harkless being a high volume scorer, Keyshawn Gilbert being a less less volume than Harkless but very efficient scorer. And then getting games from Luis Rodriguez, getting games from David Milwaukee, getting games from Justin Webster, where they get somebody as the third guy. If all of a sudden you lose the efficiency of your number two in Keyshawn Gilbert, this offense probably isn't good enough to win 12 or more Mountain West games, which is, again, what I think they're going to have to do to be an NCAA tournament team. So I think there's a lot of questions as to can this team sustain what they did early in the season? throughout the entirety of the season to actually be an NCAA tournament. I think we both agree. We said it before the show. I think it's going to be really hard to win on the road in the Mountain West against good to average teams. There's, I mean, there's going to be some teams on the road you should beat and you better beat. But, you know, Wyoming still isn't completely healthy. No one's talking about them. New Mexico's undefeated. Utah State bad loss last night to Weber. I don't know what happened there. Um, San Diego State on the road. Boise on the road. I, th- I think it's going to be hard to win. And it's going to be hard to come in here and beat UNLV, I think. 
What do I need to put on the board? Add another game back up there? To no, make no, it? 15's fine. If they get to 25 wins, I think they'll be in the NCAA tournament. That's why we've got it on the board. I okay. said 25 wins, they're in. Because uh, they'll be 25 and 5 going into the Mountain West tournament, which is a really good record. Because And here, here's the thing. To the Mountain West point, the worst Mountain West team by Ken Palm right now, San Jose State, they're 172. Right? Like, there's not a team outside the top 200. And UNLV is going to go on a stretch here. So they're going to play... Uh, San Jose State. That's their first Mountain West game. And then they're going to play, what is this, six straight games against teams in the top 100 in Ken Palm. Because that's where the Mountain West is. The before problem, they get to Air Force? Uh, that, is, that is before Fresno State. Before Fresno, okay. Yeah. And the problem, though, is that only San Diego State is in the top 50 among those teams. So what, you're, what that means is, if you beat, let's see, in that stretch, they play uh, Utah State on the road. If you beat Utah State on the road, it's not really going to be a massive win for the NCAA tournament, right? It might, well, they are pretty high in net ranking. but They're 10 in the net, but right. it's still really early for the net. They're probably going to fall, but it's like uh, you beat these teams on the road. It's going to be a good win, but it's not going to be, oh, my God, we have to put them in the NCAA tournament right. because of that win. Whereas on the flip side, if you lose that game, it's not really a bad loss either, but if you lose to Utah State and Boise State and New Mexico and Nevada and Colorado State all on the road, all of a sudden you've got like six or seven losses and you're an 11 and seven Mountain West team and you're not, you're, you don't, you don't have enough wins to go to the right. NCAA tournament at the end of the day because you don't have enough quality in the non-conference. All right, coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. You know, Phil was, in fairness, I don't know how much he's played the left side. We had a conversation about it. You know, Phil over his career has played with good offensive players, so he, sometimes you just assume, well, smart player will figure it out, but he hasn't been strong on pucks on that side of the ice and uh, hasn't, you know, sort of comp- finished plays. And um, so at the end of the day, you, you know, again, you got to, when you're behind you, you try something else. So, um, you know, I think with Phil, it's, there's also the defensive part of things. Like, Stevie's going to play against, and Stone are going to play against good players. I'm not going to. Just throw him against the fourth line all night. We, we might get a mismatch up on an icing where we want a certain face-off situation on zone. But in general, they're going to play against good players. And whoever's up there, be it Phil or anybody, has to respect that and, and play a 200-foot game. And I think that's where I can't say enough about Jack and his commitment to doing that. Brett Howden was doing it. I think Paul Cotter was learning. We were, you know, again, a younger guy that we were our job to coach him up. So um, that's where Phil hasn't given us the same area of a 200-foot game that those other guys have. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. You can hear him on the VGK Insider Show, also pre-posted intermission for Golden Knights games all on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace. All right, Ryan. Is Phil Kessel going to get healthy scratch sometime soon? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the avenue for understanding that it's a possibility is certainly in front of you. And uh, if you want a reason as to why, uh, you can look at last night as a, as a big example. And, and just, you know, the, the soundbite you played there from Bruce Cassidy, you've got Phil Kessel on top line, which ended up being for the Mark Stone because of injury. And Phil played all of eight and a half minutes last night. It didn't work out particularly well. Michael Nadia was promoted to that spot because you weren't getting enough out of that line. And you weren't getting enough out of that line, mainly because you just didn't have a, a third part that was that was moving in the right direction. And as Bruce Cassidy identified, that was Phil Kessel. Uh, how much does the streak play into Cassidy's mind, if at all? 
I think it has to play into it because you've got a room full of guys that love Phil Kessel, right? So uh, as, as a coach, it's a delicate balance of, you know, being competitive on the ice and icing the best lineup that you, you need to win, but also you've got a guy that's played over a thousand consecutive games. It's really important, obviously, that streak for him. He is the Iron Man now. He has sole possession of that record. I think it becomes maybe a little bit easier to make that decision, but I, I still think you've got to understand the temperature of the room. And a lot of the guys in that room love Phil Kessel. They, they like to be around him. They root for him. So um, sometimes you make decisions based on, on making sure that you, you don't mess up the chemistry that is in the room. But, you know, for the Golden Knights, not scoring on home ice, only two goals uh, in, in each of their last four or five home games, like, you're going to have to find a way to, to get more out of it. And I'm not sure that you have the answer right now. Uh, so obviously different players are going to have different feelings about it, but yeah. I'd have to imagine the whole idea of, Hey, we love Phil Kessel. He's got the streak. We want him to keep it going. I have to imagine there'd be some guys where that feeling would be outweighed by, uh, Hey, he just had a turnover at the blue line and then failed to even block a shot from five feet away. Like, this guy's not helping us. When I have to feel like there would be some guys that would feel, okay, well, he's not actually helping us, so even though I like the guy, we still need to scratch him because it gives us a better chance to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a fair point. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine that it's like 100% across yeah. the board in one direction or another. I think that you've got to weigh and, and the, the feelings of the entire room. Now, listen, if it were up to Bruce, to Bruce Cassidy, um, I, I think that it, it might have already been done. Now, the other saving grace here is, at least for Phil Kessel, right, is that the Golden Knights are injured. You don't have Jack Eichel. You don't have Paul Cotter available to you up front. Like, if one of those two players becomes available, then maybe you move in that direction. But at the same, at the same time, like, as much as, you know, we're, we're, putting, we're pinning all of this on Phil, like, Bruce Cassidy's mentioned that Jake Vision hasn't scored a goal yet. Leon Stromberg hasn't scored a goal yet. Like, there are, there are, holes in the Golden Knights lineup right now that go beyond just Phil Kessel. I think Phil's getting all the attention because he's the highest profile player in that spot. Uh, interesting. You just mentioned something. We talked about this earlier in the show. Is this management micromanaging Phil Kessel in terms of not taking him out of the lineup? I I don't think it's that. I think Bruce Cassidy is a, a really smart coach and doesn't want to like disrupt or anger or frustrate his players to to the point where you, you mess up chemistry. But I, I also think that the fact that the Golden Knights are injured right now is, is one of the things that is keeping Phil in the lineup. Like when you aren't scoring, right, and you've got a guy that's got over 400 goals, it's and you don't have any other options. Like you don't have a guy lighting it up completely in the American Hockey League that you can bring up to score. Like maybe Pavel Dorofeyev is a guy that you look at. But – the fact of the matter is, like, if you're a team struggling to find offense and you haven't been able to find a fit for this guy who has, you know, been able to, to score at a, at a decent clip his entire career, I think you keep going to that well, especially when you're injured right now up front. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's a directive from management. I think Bruce Cassidy views it as, okay, Phil scored 400 goals. We can't score very much on home ice. I think it'll figure it itself out. He said it, right? Smart players find a way. It just hasn't worked yet for Phil. It hasn't clicked with anyone in this lineup. I hesitate to use the phrase that Bruce Cassidy has called out his goaltenders because he hasn't really ripped them in postgame press conferences. But the last two games, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill have started each one. 
And Bruce Cassidy in the postgame press conference has said something to the effect of we need more saves or we need to match the other goalies performance. Has that, do you think that's been unfair on the goalies in the last two games? Or do you think that Bruce Cassidy needs to be calling out his goaltenders after the last two games? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that what Bruce is trying to do is he's trying to raise the level of the goaltending for the Golden Knights. Through the first 16, 17 games of the year, Golden Knights goaltending was fantastic. They hadn't necessarily given up a goal that they shouldn't have. All the, all the pucks that they were seeing, they were stopping. And anything that beat them was, was largely the result of a big-time breakdown or you know a perfect shot or a goal that, that really you can't pin on the goaltender. Of late, I think that that's kind of gone away, and that's natural through the course of an 82-game season, especially with younger goalies that are trying to establish themselves in the form of Logan Thompson and, and to a degree, Aiden Hill. So I, I think Bruce is, is absolutely trying to get the attention of his goaltenders, saying, listen, we right now are a team that's struggling to find our offensive game. In that respect, you cannot have a goal that you aren't allowed, that you shouldn't be giving up. And, you know, for me, like, the, 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 the biggest issue, you know, if you're looking at last night with Aiden Hill, is probably the third goal of the game. It's the, the eventual game winner. It's just kind of a shot from the point. Yeah, there's, there's a screen, but in Bruce Cassidy's system, right, like, goaltenders are expected to save the first shot, even if it is through traffic, because that's an expectation of playing his own defense. So, um, I, you know, and when you go back to the Islanders game, like, I don't think Logan Thompson was particularly sharp in the Islanders game. So what Bruce, I think, is trying to do is reinstill that competition that you had at the beginning of the year to try to get the goalies to level up here in the middle of the season. So what do you do with LeBron Brassois how he's playing down there in terms of uh, either risking losing Aiden Hill or would you ever you know hit the confidence of Logan Thompson? I mean, is he playing well enough down there that you should be making him a decision now? I mean, I think he's starting to turn the corner, but I th- what I think Laura needs more than anything else is reps, right? He, he is getting more reps, he's getting more comfortable, and he's starting to find his rhythm in the American Hockey League. Now, here's the thing. If we have another couple of weeks where Laurent Brossois is lighting it up, dominating, proving without a shadow of a doubt that he shouldn't be in the American Hockey League, and you're still having games where leaky goals are getting in or goals that you expect your goaltender to make saves on are, are getting scored, and you have Laurent Brossois in the American Hockey League kind of lighting it up, I, I think that that's going to push the needle. What I hope happens and what I think the Golden Knights are banking on is Logan Thompson will be aware of how well Loren Brossois is doing. Uh, Aiden Hill will be aware of how well Loren Brossois is doing. Everyone in the organization will be aware. And the hope is that that pushes, again, Logan and Aiden to kind of regain the form they had through the first 15, 16 games of the season. I know it doesn't sound like it, but they're still in first place. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Ryan. So there's Ryan Wallace again. Fox Sports Las Vegas, VGK Insider Show. Uh, yes, the Golden Knights still lead the Pacific and have the most points in the Western Conference, despite, <laughs> uh, again, they have one home win in the month of December. They're 1-4-0 and at home in December. And that one win was over Philadelphia, which shouldn't even count as a win. Because... Well, they better get two tomorrow night because I think it's Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> so they are still in first place. As, as, as a bad as they've been at home, as bad as Phil Kessel's been and Bruce Cassidy calling out the goalies, it's still a first-place team. It's not that bad. All right, we've got Iggy Pop tickets to give away. He is coming to Las Vegas on Saturday, April 29th. He's playing at the Pearl at the Palms, 702-364-1100. That's the phone number if you want to win a pair of tickets to go see Iggy Pop 
in April. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number seven at 702-364-1100. Definitely a lot, a lot more comfortable uh, coming into this week, just timing-wise, preparation-wise. And uh, there were a few things that just game plan wise that you know it'll be little stuff on the tape uh but you know made strides made progress today we didn't have the outcome we wanted uh missed a lot of opportunities but uh, yeah i felt definitely a lot more comfortable you're locked in the press box should baker mayfield not show up to practice this week i don't think you should do anything to football this week I don't even think you should, you should get on a plane, fly halfway yeah, exactly. across the country, wait a day, fly, fly back, back, and read the playbook on the plane. Kyler Murray, this is just yelling, saying, see, I told you I could just play Call of Duty instead of watch film. It would have been fine. Except we have evidence that it gets worse with him where this is the opposite. <laughs> That's because they were trying to make him watch film, too. He should have just been all in on Call of Duty and he would have been perfectly fine. Um, all right, we've got, I've, I'm told, some fun Riley Smith sound. Well, Riley Smith doesn't do a whole lot of talking in it, but uh, yes, we have uh, from last night's uh, postgame. You were here in the very beginning when there was that Vegas flu thing. Are you noticing a difference the way teams are playing when they come in here as opposed to maybe years past? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So the reason I had to go find that was because on our cut sheet from last night's postgame, I was sent this as a playing teams playing different in Vegas. No. <laughs> like what? <laughs> you sent me a zero second play, play clip. Again. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> sound. Let's hear it. All right. No. <laughs> Completely out of context. Would we have been able to identify what that word was? I don't even, I can't even make it out to be no. 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 <laughs> that's a great, that's a great answer. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hold on, hold on. Which, which, is, which is the best sound we've heard today? The full version of the Riley Smith, the, oh, no. yeah, there yeah. we go. No. Or. <laughs> to Chandler Jones in midfield, and a stiff arm. I'm going with inner stiff armed. I think Is that's that, my favorite. Yeah, I think it's inner stiff armed. Because uh, I will say this: if you recover a lateral and immediately stiff arm someone to the ground, it's an inner stiff arm. Yeah, first inner yes. stiff armed in the in, in NFL history. I believe that uh, combination of syllables from Jason Horowitz is the perfect summation of the play. That play is so stupid that inner stiff armed is the perfect way to, to describe, describe what like what the hell's happening there. Like you don't know. I, like the whole okay, the whole point of radio sports broadcast is to explain what's happening on the field and to right. do it as well as you can so that the person, so the person listening, listening can actually see it can in picture their mind. it. Yeah, can right? picture it. Exactly. It's why radio broadcasters are like they're going left to right on your radio yeah, dial, exactly. right? So you can just picture in your mind which way is the offense moving. That play is so stupid, you can't explain it. He, like, uh, he does the literal best he possibly yeah, yes. can. Like, I, I have a friend that, that's on a cruise, and Sunday during the Raiders game was getting onto the cruise, and I tried to, in text, explain. I couldn't do it. I could not right. explain in text. Like, well, they ran a draw to run the clock out, but Ramondre Stevenson pitched to Jacoby Myers, who then ran backwards, 
and then decided he was going to throw it 25 yards across the field to Mac Jones. Mac Jones was not looking for the ball or in position. For <laughs> Chandler this to Jones happen. wasn't trying on the play, so he was there, <laughs> caught it, stiff armed Mac Jones, Jones into the ground, and ran for the touchdown, and then scored the game winning touchdown. Like, that took me 20 seconds to say the play. Chandler Jones picks it off, and he's in the end zone like four seconds later. Right. It took me 20 seconds to say. To so, there's it. a longer section of the play happening that is, oh, all right, so they're going for the give up draw. Wait, what? Oh, wow. And then Chandler Jones scores. It's just and then like the this inner stiff arm yeah. happen. It's so stupid. Wait, do we have the radios or the Patriots radio call? Um, we played it yesterday. Yeah, let me find so it it's somewhere. Quick. I know. I'm throwing you like we got two minutes left in the show. <laughs> and the rate the Patriots radio call is phenomenal. I do not know who the color analyst is, but the, the end of the Patriots radio call is excellent. It is a phenomenal call by a hometown broadcast because the color analyst just completely dumps, completely dumps on the Patriots for that final play. Jared's shaking his head at me. Don't worry. He basically says after that play is over, this is the dumbest team I've ever seen. And he's the color analyst. Not not play, not what the hell was that dumbest team he's ever seen. Because that play happened and they lost the game that way, and that's the that's the Patriots hometown radio call is calling uh, it the it dumbest. It was part play. of the remix yesterday. Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. it was part of the remix yesterday that I put to, I put together parts of the show yesterday, but I didn't individually download those. Cause... The color analyst of the Patriots said it's the dumbest team he's ever seen. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh for a color analyst of the home team. <laughs> it's so good. I, it's such a stupid play. The radio calls are great. We played the Spanish one. The it's Spanish also one, great. My Harry limited Ruiz. Spanish yeah, knowledge Harry thinks Ruiz. that Harry Ruiz said at one point, the kitchen. Impossibly. <laughs> I, I knew that word. You said the kitchen. I knew the word Raiders. I knew about three words. Oh, this I, I asked you this yesterday. They're the most entertaining team in sports, right? They have to be one of them. I mean... It took all the it crazy things them, that have happened this it year. It took them ten days to play a game that was better than Baker Mayfield driving yeah. ninety-eight yards without the playbook. Yeah, it took them ten days to top that. Like a month ago, they lost to Jeff Saturday. <laughs> they got shut out by the by Saints. The, by the Saints. They're, am I right? Their last Kyler Murray ran the length of a football field <laughs> a during a, what a two-point yes. conversion, it, and it was like. Maybe not the most impressive thing he did that day. Well, okay, hold on. Let, am I right in this? The last five weeks, lost to Jeff Saturday, Devontae Adams walk-off touchdown, Josh Jacobs walk-off touchdown, lost to Baker Mayfield, Chandler Jones, Jones walk-off touchdown. In a fumble. So the last five weeks, they have either won on a walk-off or lost to the most hilarious team you could lose to in the Colts or the Rams. Yes. And like Jared said, that doesn't include... Kyler Murray running Run, around for running six for minutes. forty yards, fifty yards, whatever that was. And the, by score. the way, the Cardinals won that game on a walk off yes. defensive touchdown as well. They're Fumble in, by Hunter Renfro. I mean, they they lost to the Chiefs where they blew the seventeen nothing lead and then had a two point conversion where they yep. would have won the game. I mean, the Chiefs would have had time to score potentially, but like that that game against the Chiefs, any normal NFL team is like their first or second most dramatic game of the season. These guys, it's their sixth. It's not top five. Yeah. And they got three more. It might not be top ten by the end of the year. This team is unbelievable. 